G'day, and welcome to episode 118 of the Packify Podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson, and today's episode was recorded live from the CHFA Now Trade Show Conference, which was held on Friday afternoon, and I'm thrilled to have Lindsay O'Donnell back on the show for the second time as my guest. Now, Lindsay is the founder and marketing director of Pagant Marketing, which is a Vancouver-based marketing agency that specializes in supporting food brands with a huge focus on transparency, fair trade, sustainability, and animal welfare. Her team of eight offer a wide range of services, including social media management, branding and design, and also some influencer and content marketing. So throughout our 35-minute conversation, which was pretty quick, uh, Lindsay and I covered a hell of a lot of ground as we discussed how trade shows can be a really powerful marketing channel for gathering market research, generating leads, and also for promoting your brand. Uh, we delved into best practices for aligning goals and KPIs, capturing and nurturing leads, and also fostering collaboration between sales and marketing. And then right at the end to wrap it up, we also hosted a quick Q&A session with our audience, which was a lot of fun. Um, I must say, though, there were a few technical difficulties that we ran into with our recording gear, but we got there in the end, and I guess that's part of the uh, that's part of the fun of recording a live conversation. Anyway, that's it for me. I think we should just dive into it right here, and I hope you all enjoy episode 118 live with Lindsay O'Donnell. Cheers. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on down. I know it was quite the trek to come down from Richmond on a Friday afternoon. There's a bit of traffic always. You would know. I know. I would know. I did exactly <laughs> the same thing. So listen, um, I was really excited when I was invited to come on down um, to do this live podcast. Um, it's a great opportunity to have a chat about some things that are relevant with everybody that's attending the trade show. And I guess um, the perspective that I had would be that I wanted to bring something to the conversation that would be actionable and that people could take away from the conversation going into a trade show, knowing already that they've invested in their booth, they've invested in their accommodation and, uh, and the time that it takes to um, come to a trade show, especially if they've come from out of town. So if there's something that they can take away from this conversation, um, there are a couple of key things. So when you break it down, um, if you're looking at it through a marketing or sales perspective, there are some sort of primary things that people need to consider or some primary objectives um, going into a trade show. So if you're thinking marketing, it's about increasing brand visibility, um, gathering marketing insights, especially when you've got a new product launched. And I guess a good example of this is um, Mitch and the team at Riveda. They're launching their new product SKU this weekend, which is really exciting for them. And the other one is from a sales perspective in terms of generating leads, especially like at the CHFA trade show uh, this weekend. It's a B2B uh, trade show where, you know, there's a huge um, opportunity to get in front of buyers and close some deals. So here we are. I'm sales, yeah. you're marketing. Let's have the conversation. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> I thought we could kick off with marketing because you're here and you're our ex expert on the topic. But um, if you just want to give everybody that's listening today a little bit of um, insight into what you do at Picant Marketing, the value that, bring, that you bring to your clients, and I guess the conversation could always lead into uh, trade shows and the experience that you've had at trade shows working specifically with your clients. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, I also am a co-owner and work very closely with Planted Expo, which is mm. another trade show, so yep. I feel like I've had little I've signs. been there. It's a great trade show. It's my favorite. Yeah, yeah no doubt. <laughs> no offense, <laughs> HFA. Um, yeah, I think... You know, I think anybody who's listening, you go into a trade show and oftentimes by the times brands ask for marketing support, they mm. already have a clear goal and they're kind of like caught up in the tornado of getting ready for the trade mm. show. And that's great, right? It's sales, it's leads, whatever it is. And by the time they come to us, they just need want marketing assets or how does our booth stand out? That's totally fine. Mm. But something that drives me crazy is at the end of a trade show, when I hear brands say like, oh, it just didn't work or we didn't like it or we didn't sell anything, mm. there should be sub goals 
beyond just like your major goal. Like clear objectives. Yeah, whether yep. it be like key learnings, like you, we discussed earlier, contacts, whether that be like customers or potential relationships to mm. nurture, you should be able to leave and say like, hey, like we learned that like our audience really doesn't respond to this mm. or that's not our place, but to just sort of like leave and be baffled and be like, it didn't work mm. is such a waste of your investment. Yeah. I mean, everybody's gonna have their primary goal. Again, it's usually sales or brand awareness. Hey, how you doing? Um, Hi. <laughs> um, but I, I think that by the time like an agency gets involved, sometimes it's like they're already caught up in the preparation mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the runway. Mm -hmm. So I always want to say like, okay, know your primary goal and know that that's a priority, but what yep. are your sub goals so that you yep. can prep your team? Make sure your team is prepped. Like we want to build our email list. We want to make a few key relationships of brands that are going to be there or yep. we want to build our marketing assets, right? Yep. There's so much you can do to stretch that out because mm -hmm. a trade show is expensive. So yep. how can you stretch that out as much as possible? Got ya. So, all right, let's start from the top. So you mentioned obviously having a plan. So you go into it, you know exactly what those objectives yeah. are. So where do you like to start when you're sort of developing what the plan is? Like, do you sit down? Do you have like a strategic meeting with the team? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I would love to say that, but mm -hmm. oftentimes, like I said, the brands come to us this too late. This is a whirlwind, yeah. But what we do actually at Planted is we try and train the brands that come into that trade show months in advance. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what are what are the key learnings that you need to have? What yep. do you think that you need to get in addition to sales? Listen, you signed up for this trade show because yep. you had something that you wanted to accomplish, but what beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. How's your email list? How's your, like quote unquote Rolodex, how's mm. your marketing assets? Mm. Like, do you need photos of your owner, mm -hmm. like at a booth? Do you need photos of your team? Do you need social media content? Do you need testimonials? Yep. Um, and then also really prep your team to pay attention, right? Mm. When are people, it's just like a farmer's market. Mm. When are people coming up? Yep. What are they asking? Yep. When are they turning away? How are they responding? Are they confused? Um, I think that again, like people have this like main goal and a trade shows such a whirlwind. They're mm. packing everything, they're prepared and then it's over and it's kind of like, wait, what were people saying? Yeah. How did they respond? Yeah, so yeah. really prep your team as to things to look for and yeah. make sure to debrief. People are tired, but try and debrief like before the end of the show or at the very end and just be like, hey, really quickly, what did we notice? How did people react? That debrief is so important in business in general, I think. Um, so one thing that I noticed when I've attended trade shows, I mentioned that I used to work for Salt Spring Coffee, and that's primarily when I've been on the, um, on the showroom floor at the CHFA. You... You, you work out your spiel really quickly mm -hmm. and you have the same conversation like yeah. 1,500 times a yeah. day over the course of the weekend. Yeah. It gets really tiring, but it does get repetitive. But throughout that repetition, you get to pick up on what the what the feedback is and the nuance that you're sort of looking for. So yeah, that debrief at the end would be really critical. And then what do you recommend? Just like taking down notes, committing it to memory, because, because everybody, like they're dying to pack up, they're dying to go and have a beer, they're gonna go out to dinner, they're ready to move on to the next big yeah. thing and get back home and you know decompress after the trade show. So it's really important to sort of get down those notes. But yeah. if you were to say, if you, if you were working with a business that was here this weekend, mm -hmm. And they had a very clear objective of building their mailing list, connecting with a couple of other industry mm -hmm. um, people within their network to, to grow and help their business grow, or at least support them. Um, how would you suggest they go about it? Like a lot of people, they'll sit in their booths and they'll wait for people to come up. But yeah. I'm an advocate of getting out and actually walking the floor and introducing yeah. yourselves, sharing products. Like what do you think is a, a really good strategy for that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, one thing is to look at your marketing plans after the mm. show. So we had talked about the brand Midday Squares. Mm. 
they're one of the brands that are excellent at collecting marketing assets that can be stretched for the rest of the year, yeah. right? They're capturing themselves at the booth. They're capturing themselves talking to people. I love walking around and talking. So if you feel like in the next six months, collaborations are a really big mm-hmm. important priority for us. Um, if we think it's making connections with retailers, is there a way that you can do that in a roundabout way? Yeah. Like maybe there's another product that you can connect with. Yeah. Also in downtime, maybe that's when you collect the marketing assets. Yeah. So I would say like ask your marketing team. Oftentimes they have campaigns and like mm-hmm. we need some great headshots of the team. Yeah. And we're in beautiful Vancouver. Yeah. Before we set up the booth, we're going to stand outside and we're yeah. going to get some stuff for some video content, some TikTok ads, yeah. some headshots, whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Your marketing team is probably going to have some things that can be collected. Mm. Um, and like you said, like if, if number one is sales, then walking, but number two is relationships, mm. then absolutely walk the floor. And mm. don't forget like speakers mm. or show organizers. I always say like debrief with the show organizer mm. after if you have a good relationship mm-hmm. um, because sometimes they can give you a ton of insights like, hey, we found this was really popular this year or this was the biggest feedback from attendees. They really wanted to see this. And maybe your product has that, but you weren't leaning into that. Mm. Um, there's a really interesting statistic out there that I came across and it was that 81% of trade show attendees have buying authority. I can't speak to the fact that this is a statistic that's tied to the CHFA, but I think it's just broadly speaking at a trade show um, where buyers are present, over 80% of the people there are, have got the capability to um, make decisions on purchasing. It sounds like a really good opportunity for businesses to get out there and sell. Like, mm-hmm. when else are you going to get an opportunity for 80% of the biz- like people in the room to actually be potential clients? Yeah. So how would you compare, like, a trade show to other marketing channels for generating leads for yeah. CPG businesses? I love this question so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a trade show is going to be different. This is a marketer I never answered, mm. but a trade show is going to be different for every brand. And I think you need to understand <clears throat> the lifespan of a customer journey for you. Yeah. So for instance, for me, if I go to a trade show, I usually collect business cards mm. and then reach out and try and get them on my newsletter list because I know that it's usually two years between me meeting somebody yeah versus them becoming a buyer. It's a long cycle. Yeah, and that's yeah. not going to be true for food businesses, yeah. but it might be if you're like a, a subscription box that's mm. more expensive. So, mm. you know, if you're something that's like cheap and well-known, then maybe you're focusing on bundled prices. Mm-hmm. But if you're a more complex product, like say raw spirulina, mm. what you might do is focus less on sales and more on education, but mm. then you might, and I, I forgot the name, but I will send it to, to mm. you so you can put it in the notes, but like there's an agency that... Um, can retarget the people who visited the show through Facebook ads. Oh, wow. Because they do it, Facebook, I think there's like a five mile radius, yeah. but they do it like within the building. Oh, so they get to pick up on, you know, who's in this area and then they like geofence it or however they do it. Who signs into the Wi-Fi? Wow. So for you, oh, cool. you might say, so like in order to focus on sales, you mm-hmm. might say like, we're actually more complicated product that takes more education. Yeah. We just want that first touch point. Mm. I'm not going to expect a sale, but mm. I am going to, I do expect an introduction that I can then like Plant a seed. collect data that yeah. I can then retarget. Yeah, that's cool. What else? So like technology is definitely something that we can leverage and like everybody's into technology. Obviously, you and I had the conversation about AI and like how scary that is looking for our future, but how much of a tool it can be that we can leverage as well. But then I think that there's nothing as simple as shaking somebody's hand, handing over a business card and having a true and honest conversation with somebody. Like they mean more than anything else. Yeah. And that's the opportunity that you get at a trade show yeah. where you may not get any anywhere else because like doors are usually closed with buyers they're hard to get in touch with so if we're talking about like networking and building relationships and uh, and getting in front of these buyers and you know being genuine do you have any sort of insights from a marketing perspective as to sort of what that could look like or what key takeaway you can give to people in terms of collateral like what are people looking for yeah I mean I always work and you know her I always recommend Mm. Ali Ball I'm more of like a 
B2C. Oh, but Nicole, yeah, she's great. You're yeah. on her podcast. Yeah. yeah. And she's yeah. got a ton of advice on buyers. But what yeah. I will say is, like, from a marketing perspective, I would put a list of, like, your top five, maybe ten yeah. buyers or retailers. Yeah. And do a little bit of research so you're prepared when they come around. Yeah. And it never hurts to surprise and delight um, in terms of follow-up. Yeah. Right? So I would, like, take notes on that person as soon mm. as they leave. Oh, they love Beyonce? I'm going to yeah. send them, like, some, like, Beyonce discount code yeah. or something. Yeah. I think that... Um, I know for me, like I, when I go visit booths from, at a B2B event, I know that generally it's distracting and people are busy. Yeah. So I try and just get enough so that I can follow up authentically yeah. and be able to surprise and delay. Yeah, yeah. I know that there's like buyers are cyclical yeah. and there's going to be different times of the year when they're more likely to buy. And mm-hmm. a lot of times there's things that we just don't know. Like apparently Whole Foods only does like new bakery products like once a month, one quarter a year. Wow. But I think that if you can really develop that personal relationship, mm-hmm. like take notes as soon as you're done talking to that person, mm-hmm. make sure you're prepared so that you're like, here's the 10 key accounts that we really want to focus on and we're mm-hmm. going to be prepared for when they come. Mm-hmm. With clients that you specifically work with when they're at trade shows, do you always turn up and like have strategic conversations with them to offer them support? Like from a from your business's perspective and yeah. how you engage with CPG companies that are out there, like what does that relationship look like? Yeah. I don't show up because I feel like I'm in the way. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, at the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll circle. Like, I think the interesting thing to remember as like a marketer mm. or is by the time a business is at a trade show, mm. they're like in the zone yeah, and they're, they're kind there. of like, again, it, like we're thinking about that priority goal. Like we yeah. said, sales, which is why I'm like, prepare for that secondary goal before mm. you go in it because mm-hmm. I feel like it's such a whirlwind. You're yep. so laser focused on your team, the product, the setup. Yeah. That by the time the like feedback is gone, which is why it's like prep your team, yeah. know your secondary goals. What I yeah. will do is say after, like, hey, I really noticed this at the yeah. show. Yeah. Um, one story that I always tell is like I was at a trade show and I I was talking to somebody and they were like, Yeah, it's just not a buying audience. And I turned to the table next to them and it was literally like one of those like old timey racehorse. Like yep. people had their money up to yeah, the, yeah. Like, the booth next to them <laughs> and was like, Take my money. And this person next to them was like, Yeah, it's just not a buying audience. So yeah, it's an excuse. Yeah, and sometimes I think I can just be helpful in the sense yeah. of like I'm not in the zone. Yeah. I'm not so hyper focused. I can take a step back and say, like, listen, the overall tone of the mm-hmm. show was this. Maybe you had too many product offerings. Yeah. Maybe it was too complicated. Yeah. Maybe you were in the wrong section. Yeah. Um, and so if you don't have a me, it's always nice to have maybe one designated team member. Mm. I would say like have one designated team member doing your social media, mm. wandering, mm-hmm. kind of like troubleshooting, who's not like tied to the desk yep. and like um, tied to sales. Like mm. maybe somebody who can just like come back and say, hey, this is happening or this is really popular over mm. here or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I've always found trade shows to be a really good place to bring new employees who are in your business along to sort of get them up to speed on yeah. your brand and your product and get them up to speed on sort of that spiel that you have over and over again that I mentioned before too. And if I think back to my days at Salt Spring when we had our table set up, you know, we had seasoned veterans like employees that were out the front having those deep conversations and it was vicariously hearing those conversations that you were able to bring other employees up to speed. So I think that's another value proposition that having a trade show booth has in that it's a really good opportunity to bond a team together mm-hmm. in, in like no other way. Like, you know, even afterwards when everybody's out there having a drink, like that environment for team building and, you know, creating an environment for everybody to be on the same page is unlike any other. I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's fun. And I think that people always walk away from a trade show having, you know, if they've met their objectives, like so pumped to get back into the office yeah. and kick some goals. And I think that that's a really good opportunity to bring up like the nurturing and the follow-up on the leads that they've generated. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. 
from a sales perspective, which is obviously the world that I live in, um, you know, like sales, like you said before, it can be quite a long cycle. So like if you've only got an opportunity to get in front of a buyer like once or twice a year and their buying cycle is quarterly, like obviously, like you mentioned before, you have to nurture that lead, but you mm -hmm. don't want to be so over the top that you become annoying and they're like, no, I'm not even going to answer that email. Yeah. So it's a really fine line. So. Yeah. What's your approach to like nurturing leads and like how do you go about like ensuring that you're always sort of like there but you're not in somebody's face and annoying? Yeah, I um, I think, and I think just understanding how many people they're talking to mm. in that day. Yeah. Um, my experience is I've always done like the sales outreach mm. for an agency and it never works. Yeah. But I will say like when I used to work at Whole Foods, the people that did the best were the people who spoke with the people at the loading dock yeah. who had the good relationship yeah. because... The people on the floor were the ones who decided, hey, we need an end cap. Yep. Hey, we're doing a contest. Hey, there's this like nonprofit. What branch we bring in? Or marketing. Like mm. we always knew Vega was game for everything. Yeah. So I'd say like if you're at a trade show and you have a good relationship, or you like have a good interaction with a buyer, mm. and it's a really important account, like maybe visit a few locations, build relationships. Yeah. As well as continue to offer value. Like it's very annoying to just. Um, to just be following up saying like, hey, don't forget about me. Yeah, don't that, about me. that mantra of like, hey, just uh, circling back, just checking touching in. base, yeah, yeah, just checking in. I can't stand that. No, but I yeah. think if you can offer something of value. Yeah. So this is sort of like, I don't think this is going to work for food brands, mm. but maybe, so something that absolutely kicked off our business mm. um, was when we first started, nobody wanted to talk to us and we weren't even trying to sell anything. We were yeah. just like, hey, we're here, think of us. And everyone was like, please don't contact me. I get yep. enough from LinkedIn. So what yep. we did was we did a digital potluck yep. where like everybody posted at the same time at the same day with the same hashtag, like elevating all the brand's visibility at the mm. same time. So I think with a buyer, it's like maybe you can collectively bring something that's more interesting. Yep. Like um, with Whole Foods, it's like, hey, I know every February you do this microloan fundraiser and you've got two other brands on the shelf. We partner with them quite frequently. This yep. would be a good time to bring us in. Yeah. Yep. You know, so I think just being a little bit more thoughtful and bringing mm. a little bit more leverage as to like what their job is. Mm. And if it's going to be a long nurture time, is there things that you can do in between besides just like graft free gifts and checking in, like yeah. something that's actually of value and interesting. So if you're checking in, like, hey, I'm just checking in. I don't know if you saw this article, but yep. it was really interesting. Yep. Looking forward to hearing from yeah, you. Yeah, and that's a typical sort of like approach to sales too. I find that like sales through email is such a difficult task. Like it's what everybody does and when I'm sitting at my desk and I get cold emails coming in or people following up consistently with me, I'm inclined to just like pass it off. If someone picks up the phone and has the time to like pick up the phone and have like a genuine conversation, I'm more inclined to continue the conversation as well. So I'm a huge advocate of picking up the phone and, uh, and I don't think it gets done enough these days. I mean, people call me all the time, and Do it's they? really annoying. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> From okay. LinkedIn. Yeah. I will say that the best outreach I get is when people make me laugh. Yeah, You cool. know, it, whether it be an email or a phone message. Yeah. Um, I mean, someone said it on LinkedIn best, where they're like, I'm tired of getting emails with people telling me, like, I'm doing my job really badly, and they can help me. Yeah, good call. You know? Call. Um, yeah. But I think that there was a few cold emails that I got where somebody really made me mm. laugh about something. And mm -hmm. they, so I think that that can really help you stand out. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that there's definitely, once you humanize somebody, mm. they become top of mind. Yeah, that's true. What have we missed in the conversation so far? Um, it's been a pretty quick conversation. We've yeah. been talking for about 20 minutes now, and I feel as if we've covered a lot of what we wanted to cover. But we thought, like, at the end of, like, our conversation, we'd open the floor up and ask some um, questions, or you would be more than welcome to ask some questions. But is there anything that we need to add before we 
Well, open up the floor. You had asked me to prepare like what inspiration. Yeah. So I, I do have some ideas for sure. inspiration. Yeah, please. So I think with food brands, I feel like anybody listening or anybody here already knows all the food yeah. inspiration. Um, but I feel like looking outside your industry mm. is always the best inspiration because you're going to get diminishing returns copying yeah. Ben & Jerry's. But like one of the brands that's been really exciting me lately is uh, Cards Against Humanity. Mm. Oh, the game. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So I just went and checked out their Instagram, and they have, like, um, grants, like, school grants. They mm. had, like, fun, interactive things on their page, things that made me laugh. And then I just tagged them on a video, and they immediately sent me this, like, big package. Cool. They had such a dynamic and interesting game, or marketing for something, like, a product that should have gone out of style. Mm. You know, like, mm-hmm. and they do such interesting things. So I always talk about how they had a Black Friday sale. And they actually increased their price. Yeah. So they're like, today only it's $5 more. And they had a record sales day. That's hilarious. Because their brand is sarcastic and yeah, irreverent. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and so we duplicated that for a food brand where we said like, hey, today only 1% off. And they had a huge sales day. Yeah. So I always think like when it comes to inspiration, like definitely look outside yeah. of the food brand and yeah, look yeah. at like what's like, or like on TikTok, why am I following a pool cleaner? Because like for some reason it's like interesting, it's soothing. And so I feel like the best marketing is not marketing that's like what the industry is doing. It's like something that's totally irreverent. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we're bombarded by marketing every day, you know, whether it's through social media or just driving and seeing stuff out on the street. And uh, yeah, we used to call it seller palette. Like when you're consistently consuming like the coffee brand that you're working for or the wine, like it's like you just become so used to what you are. Like it's that old adage, like um, you're busy working on your business, uh, too busy working in your business rather than working on it kind of thing. And I guess it rings true in marketing too. Yeah, I just feel like... yeah. Do marketers are just like constantly trying to entertain themselves. Mm. Like I still want to be bored and you can be anything but boring in marketing and Mm. think of that, whether it be a trade show presence. So Mm -hmm. like one of the best boosts we had at Planted was, I think it was Soul Food and they had like music blasting and they had like a break dancer and it was just like, it really kind of jolts you a little Mm. bit because I think people put on blinders to certain things where they're Mm. like, I don't want to go to talk to that booth at selling insurance. Mm. (laughs) I don't want to go here. They're like, they've got their guard up. But if you can like really shatter that or catch them unexpectedly, it goes a long way. You know, who has got a good reputation and he'll probably do it again is um, Bob from Red Mills. Oh yeah. Every year they, uh, they make an entrance to the marching band. Have you seen Uh, that? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, have you seen that? No, but oh, I, I mean... It's, it's really cool. I love that. Yeah, it's cool. And then I guess, yeah, Midday Squares, they're renowned for doing something out of the box as well, like yeah. we've mentioned a few times. Yeah, and the other thing I would say is, like, any show that you're at, they are spending tens, if mm. not hundreds of thousands of dollars promoting the show, so how can you piggyback that, right? Yeah. So whether it be, like, reaching out to the show organizers and asking them if they, they can share your brand or if you want to do a giveaway with them, mm-hmm. tagging them on social or see if they have space on their stage. Like, you yeah. would be surprised at, like, the last-minute things that they need to fill that yeah. you can get extra value and leverage for your brand. Yeah, that's cool. Well, listen, Lindsay, thank you so much for your yeah. insights today. I'm thrilled that you took the time to come on down and have a chat with us all. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Oh, um, Yeah, thank you. So now might be a good chance to uh, open up the floor. And if anybody's got any questions that they'd love to ask Lindsay or myself about marketing, So essentially, I guess what we're talking about is being disruptive um, outside your traditional lane ways. But what are the ways, have you guys seen like really successful like marketing ideas outside the traditional, like, you know, lane ways? Is my question. Yeah, good like question. trade show related or anything? Anything, yeah, yeah. anything. Because I think it's fascinating too. I'm, I'm one of those consumers that if I see something multiple times or something that makes me laugh, yeah. boom, you got me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just other ideas. Yeah. 
yeah. you guys have seen or yeah. I mean, one of my favorite campaigns recently was, uh, so Rihanna's makeup company Fenty partnered with Heinz. I don't know if you all Strange. know this. Yeah, yeah. So they sent out lip gloss packets to influencers and they said, some of these are ketchup and some of these are lip gloss. So I don't even think that they sold those lip glasses, but it went viral yeah, no doubt. on TikTok. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite partnerships right now is there's like this dance group, I think in Singapore, and it's these like really young guys and they partnered with Johnson and Johnson baby powder yeah. and they did this like crazy choreographed dance where they just blew baby powder in everyone's face at the end and I just thought this is so irreverent yeah. but I loved it and it had like millions of views because how do you make baby powder interesting yeah. and obviously I feel like they're at the point now where they're like we can do this like fun brand yeah. building thing but I think that you know these like really unexpected partnerships are really exciting for me that's content that's yeah, then they can use that as an ad. I think that they're like inter being introduced in a really organic, fun way to a younger audience. Yeah, cool. Yeah, there's nothing that comes to mind, but I mean, there's a difference between sort of like, as Lindsay mentioned, like something that an established brand is, um, you know, willing to take on in terms of risk for a marketing campaign and like a startup or a business that's, you know, 12 to 18 months old, they can take bigger risks. And, you know, they've got so much leverage nowadays with social media and their capability to get in front of an audience. It doesn't necessarily equate to a, like a, a dollar spend. So um, the interesting thing is like you've got quite an established and large business, as you guys mentioned. So, you know, it is pretty cool to see that you guys are, are looking to sort of take a different approach. And, you know, what kind of um, marketing sort of channels have you traditionally been hitting up and what are you looking to at the moment? For us, I mean, we've done all the traditional marketing, but we're, we are focused on digital. Yeah. Um, marketing, we're really focused on digital, social yeah. um, campaigns. Yeah. Um, really telling more of a story. Uh, we're more inspired-driven. Yeah. Um, as it kind of builds into our mission statement of helping people live their lives, healthier lives, um, you know, helping the that's cool yeah well thank you very much for the question i appreciate yeah. it yeah yeah thank there's you. tons of potential with that i think like just the inspirational route whether mm. it be like people becoming athletes at later ages or mm. um, like the unexpected athlete. Maybe it's like somebody with an amputee or somebody who doesn't look traditional. I think that there's a lot of stuff that can really pull at the heart strings. You know, what's interesting as well is like, we all have a really good understanding that fitness and health is something that we need to incorporate in our lives, not just for like the physical benefits, but also for the mental benefits as well. And when you're on a fitness routine, all of a sudden your diet improves your sleep improves and then your life improves. But what I find in my life is that it's cyclical. Like I'll have like two really good months and then I'll have like a week off and then I'll go down a little bit. Like I fall off the wagon and then I get back on and then I fall off and I get back on. And it's been like this for years. So like it'd be really cool to sort of see a campaign about that average Joe that keeps on falling off the wagon and gets back on because that's relatable as well. You know, I don't know, it's just an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, true. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah, 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 
I yep. love that. You could like partner with like meditation apps or, you know what I mean? Mm. If there's like a mental health aspect where it's like, hey, we, we rec like even think of Nike about yep. all the things that they do, but it's like, yeah, we're about, our greater vision is like overall health and that includes mental health and we understand those dips. And so yeah. there's some interesting yeah. areas that you could explore. Like that get back on the wagon campaign. That would be cool because that's what I need right now. <laughs> I feel like you're speaking really personally now. You're like, yeah. you don't be great if you personally yeah. so did this for you me. You can speak to me. <laughs> Get yeah. me back on the wagon. I need to see that campaign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to send me some samples? I can give you some more ideas. Yeah. Awesome. Anybody else in the um, in the crowd today got some questions? No. Where are we all from? Where are you from, mate? Okay. Cool. And where are you, who are you representing? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, no doubt. Congratulations. Yeah. So by the incubator, so on the way to Owen Sound, where I'm at, but the herd lives in Huron County, on the way to Butter Ridge, and the butter gets made in Houston. It's a whole bag of us. Yeah. Come by incubator alley, 45. Will do. It's, is it pretty well known, like north of Toronto, for dairy? Because there's Kawartha dairy. My wife's from the Kawarthas, and they're famous. For, yeah. yeah. So, absolutely, the Kawarthas. Mm. Uh, there's different, different pockets. Mm -hmm. uh, Huron County, I feel like for the most part, it's definitely migrated to cash cropping. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I don't have the numbers on how much of the other kind of industries are there. But uh, this is pretty neat. It's like a sing the single, the only single source uh, of jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. You got your stats on lockdown. Yeah, yeah. You're good yeah. to go for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's cool. Yeah, nice. Very good. Where are you from? Yeah. Got a few people in from out of state. Yeah. Cool. And and where who are you representing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, like a pre-prepared meal. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck for the weekend as well. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody will be attending that as well. Yeah. Very cool. Well, listen, thank you very much oh, for your time, guys. Oh, yeah, question. another question. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Um, there's going to be many small companies mm. that are just starting up and so forth. What would you give them as far as direction for navigating all the different, you know, avenues of marketing? We just spoke to somebody that's, you know, big into email marketing. And for myself, I wouldn't, you know, be a, a, somebody that's looking at, you know, emails that just come in and looking at it from there. But there's social media, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and so forth. You know, we want to talk about keeping it real, the experience, really relating to somebody, the humor, which is a big aspect. So for a small company, what would you direct them at as mm -hmm. far as where to start out with all their marketing? Yeah. 
Um, I think the, the thing you want to avoid is trying to show up everywhere. Pick like one or two places dependent on what you like, what you're strong at, and like the age and demographics of your audience and get really good at it and leverage it somewhere else. So like get really good at TikTok or Instagram. And then, then when you feel like you've mastered it, get on to LinkedIn. Mm. The one thing I'll say about emails is all marketers always say like, email's not dead and you absolutely want to move it to email or something because with social media, that platform owns that audience, right? The algorithm can change or account could get hacked. So what you want to do is use social media as the top of your funnel. And even if you're not ready to send out an email, collect those emails. They're harder to get, but they're so valuable because you can own that relationship, right? Um, and you have a direct content. So whether it be like an SMS list, a mailing list or a newsletter, um, make sure that that's always the next step. Um, and in terms of where you show up, like don't show up anywhere you hate. Like I have clients that are like, I hate Facebook. Well, don't do it because it's like not going to work. But trying if you're small and your resources are limited, get on one place, really master it, like nurture that community while always taking them to that next step. But then know that like, OK, once we feel like we've got more bandwidth, let's like add a social platform or a YouTube channel or a speaker series or whatever it is. You know who's done a really good job of a mailing campaign and he's done it right from the start is Tim Ferriss from the 4-Hour Workweek. Mm -hmm. I look forward every Friday when he puts in 5 Bullet Friday lands in my inbox. It's just a really cool snapshot of like what's going on in the world and what he finds valuable. And he's built that campaign over years yeah. and it is huge, yeah. huge. He's launched books from it and it's been a really successful channel yeah. from him. So it's definitely not dead. They say that uh, a social follower is worth like less than a cent, but for every dollar you invest in email marketing, you should get $42 back. Wow. But I do think like you should get to a point where mm. you've like primed that audience. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, you can also sign up for my newsletter. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I know that like email marketing doesn't seem that sexy, but the reason all these big accounts, like all these big brands do it is because it works. And the, and the, you've got like a legitimate sort of like list that you own. Yeah. 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 How long do you think it takes to sort of build a, a um, an email sort of client list that's sort of valuable or something that is of value? I guess it's, if you think of it, sorry to cut you off, but I yeah. think of it's, it's got to be a relevant audience. And like you could have 10 really, really good clients rather than like 10 duds, yeah. you know? I guess there's, that's the way you look at it. There's studies that yeah. say like, oh, you should have this amount. But like yeah. I had a client that had 300 people on their newsletter mm. list and they did like that. We're, we're doing a 1% off sale mm. and like $800 in sales. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean, for that client, they mm. were only doing farmer's market mm -hmm. to write one email. That's amazing. Mm. Um, so it really depends on how quickly you grow it. Mm. And I, yeah, I think you're right. It's not necessarily the size. It's mm. like how uh, responsive and engaged they are. Mm. Um, and I would say to like grow your email list, the rule of thumb for marketers is that you need to offer somebody that something that people can't believe they're getting for free. Mm. So most CTPG brands are going to be like, sign up and get 25% off, blah, blah, blah. But you could also be like, hey, we're having like a digital seminar this weekend to join, you have to be on our newsletter list. Mm. Or to like to get access to like limited edition flavors, you have to be on our email list. Mm. Like it has to be something that people are sort of like blown away at the value. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, I think that was a really good conversation. Thank you so I much, Lindsay. Thank yeah, you. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully, um, for everybody listening in the audience today, there's something that you guys have been able to take away and put into action straight away over the course of the weekend when you've got your booth. And for everybody that's listening in, uh, this episode will be coming out on Monday or Tuesday. And so the trade show will have been, but I would love to get some feedback. So all I need you to do is scroll on down into the show notes, uh, click on the LinkedIn uh, link, and you'll find Lindsay and I there, and you'll be able to ask any follow-up questions that you may have from today's conversation. So, yeah, yeah. thank you very much much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, did it. In it. person. <laughs> 
Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode, which was 118 with Lindsay. If you have any questions or comments from the show, please visit my LinkedIn profile where I post up each week's episode. Everything that you need can be found down in the show notes. So scroll on down there, click on the links. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening in today. And I hope you all join me next week for another great episode. Cheers. Cheers.